Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go. And welcome to Ace Comicals episode 90. As usual, it's me, Greg, with Leon. Hey, hey. And Rahul. Evening, guys. So, guys, how have your last two weeks been? I mean, my last two weeks, I saw this offer, like, to move to a deserted island, like the full package, right? And I thought, why not? You know, I could use some peace and quiet. This could be good for me. So off I went and... Like little did I know that this was actually an elaborate money making scam, and I I feel like I've been taken for a fool here massively, because it's run by this like manipulative raccoon who constantly takes advantage of my good nature and willingness to help. Right now, he reckons he's running the island. He claims to be running the island, but I'm basically doing it for him. He calls me his resident representative, but I'm doing all the work, and somehow I'm constantly in debt to him. Like, how the hell does that work? I mean, if you can't learn from my mistakes, then why even ask me for my opinion about that deserted island that I visited like a, a good month and a half before you went there? Like, <laughs> if, you, if you didn't heed the warnings I gave you, then, like, you know? Yeah, I fell into that hole. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm loving Animal Crossing right now. Um, I'm really glad to hear that you're enjoying it because I wasn't sure whether to fully recommend it to you. Um, but yeah, it's nice that you're, it looks like you're getting into the loop and you're playing a lot with my girlfriend who's keeps sending you like, she keeps finding, um, like wrestling vests and like caps and she's like, I've got to send this to Greg. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's pretty cool. sweet. Anything, anything with a skull on it, like wrestling yeah. vests and stuff, yeah. like, it ends up in my letterbox. I can't send anything back yet because like. <laughs> I haven't got the facility to send letters yet because my island isn't advanced, isn't as advanced as Anna's island. So, it's <laughs> yeah, like... every every, uh, every like other day, she's like, "Well, Greg like this." I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's got a skull on it. Send it to him." <laughs> <laughs> I've got this whole spooky vibe going in my house because I got given a fortune telling kit, or I think that's what it's called. So I've got that out in the middle of the table. I've got my jack o' lantern placemats that I made. Got my jack o' lantern bed. <laughs> I've got the uh, KK Hypno playing on the stereo. <laughs> KK's got some hits. It's, oh yeah, man, yeah. I got I got KK Sliders Hypno playing on the stereo night and day, night and day. That thing never turns off. <laughs> and yeah, I've just just got this whole kind of like Halloween spooky vibe going. Oh yeah, I I recently got security monitor wall, so the walls inside my house look like the machine from The Dark Knight. <laughs> where it's like all different screens showing different angles of the island. You, the most paranoid man about surveillance. <laughs> How the tables are turned, man. <laughs> it's cool, you know. Like, I'm doing shady deals with this fox whose boat kind of parks offshore sometimes. Like, <laughs> pretty sure he's an art thief trying to shift stuff, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good fun. It's all good fun. And I just I just like, you know, like, the the best the, the the thing that I've I enjoy the most about it and the thing that I enjoyed the most about it way back when I played it on the DS was filling up the museum. That like, is the best part of the game is like yeah, and like not even not so much the finding and collecting and delivering part, but like just being able to walk around your museum after you've like semi filled it up. 
um, like, cause I, I actually stopped playing it myself and I transferred full ownership of it to Anna. So she's the leader of the island now. And she's basically a hundred percent in that entire museum. And so I just steal her character and just wander through it occasionally. And it is, it's a very pretty setting. I think I really love the aesthetic of Animal Crossing New Horizon. Um, I just yeah. don't think I can stomach the gameplay for myself anymore. Yeah, it was it was fun to dig stuff up and fish and everything. It, it's like a nice break from everything. Like, I mean, some people may think like if you're paying a mortgage in real life, why do you want to pay a digital one too? But <laughs> it's different because the digital mortgage actually ends. Yeah, very quickly. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's a there's there's a, there's light at the end of that tunnel. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's good. Um, other than that, I. Um, I got a yo-yo. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> that's that's your new quarantine hobby, is it? Well, I did a, an episode of Dynamite in the Brain, the anime that didn't make us. Right. And the anime that I watched was an, an a, basically the best way to describe it is a sports anime about yo-yos. <laughs> it's called Chocoso Spinner or Super Yo-Yo. And it does the whole sports anime thing of getting into the minutiae of technique and, and like getting really like um, uh, high stakes about something that you wouldn't necessarily think should be that high stakes. And um, like there's a bit at the end of the first episode where they have what's called a sleeper battle, where they both do a sleeper on their... Um, yo-yo and see who can hold the sleeper for the longest long story short the show sold me a yo-yo because i used to have a yo-yo when i was a kid and i used to be able to do a couple of tricks full disclosure i can't do those tricks anymore <laughs> i tried i've not got the dexterity i once had i'm learning again though so maybe i'll be able to pull some tricks again i don't know but um yeah so i was um i, I was sold a yo-yo by an anime and it's it's fun. Yo-yos are fun. Can you do any tricks? Uh, the ones I can still do are like the sleeper, which is the one where you just make it spin, like that'd be like you can make it hold hold it like in the kind of like yo down position kind of thing, make it spin. The first um, yo, not the second yo. Yeah. Yeah, and I can do um, like I can shoot the yo-yo forwards. Um, I can't remember what if that has like a proper name or not. I can do the elevator sometimes, which is where you do you like uh, yo-yo to you, you make it do a, a sleeper and then you make it climb the string, uh, like a like an elevator, like it's climbing up the string kind of thing back on itself, which is co uh, kind of cool when you get it to work. Have you? I used to, have to do other stuff. Hmm? Have you broken anything yet? Like um, ramp or like scared the cat or anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> not yet not yet funnily <laughs> enough like clumsiest man on earth here right probably not a good idea for me to have a yo-yo in the house but i've not broken anything yet knock on wood <laughs> so ray how have you been because it's been we didn't hear from you last time on the show it's been a while since we've had you on so what's been going on with you uh things are fine still in lockdown still working from home in quarantine um I don't know if Leon or I ever mentioned this on previous episodes, but uh, I had the previous Friday off because we were supposed to attend Lovebox Festival, and obviously that was cancelled, um, like many of the things were cancelled this summer. 
Um, and I actually forgot that I'd booked the Friday off. So that the Friday came to as a surprise to me, like, oh yeah, I, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to go to work. I don't have to like, you know, quote unquote, turn up for work. And then I just didn't know what to do with myself. So I went to the um, the place where the, the festival took place, which is Gunnersbury Park, that's walking distance from my flat. So I actually walked there and then listened to some of the artists uh, like on my headphones in the park, just to like recreate a little part of um, the thing that I was missing. And it was a little bit depressing actually. Um, <laughs> not only say that, <laughs> that sounds enormously sad. I was like boogieing by myself. I was gonna say like, I painted this picture of myself doing this that's completely wrong because actually I was surrounded by people. Nobody was wearing oh. masks. Um, it was it was actually quite a nice day, um, which is why a lot of people were out. Um, tried my best to keep away from everybody, and then just sat in the shade for a bit and uh, listened to some music and some lectures on Spotify and stuff. And uh, yeah, that was my weekend. That was my long weekend off. And apart from that, I don't actually remember what else I've done. The days have been blurring into one, but you know, playing games and watching movies and stuff. When you said that, I imagined you doing it in the rain, just standing in the middle of a field by yourself. I would have preferred that. That would have been really poetic. That would just mean you're sort of like really sadly boogieing with like my new cap that I bought because I was trying to cover up my hair that I haven't been able to cut for three months, you know? <laughs> my hair is like sticking out of the back of my hat now. Like, <laughs> full on like mullet style. Yeah, mullet, but not by choice. Like we've, I think yeah. we're, all, we're all in that position. How about you, Leon? Uh, I've not uh been up to much uh since the last episode or recording uh i aged a year um and oh yeah happy birthday oh yeah uh, happy birthday thank you <laughs> that happened <laughs> um and yeah apart from that i ended up just in a cycle of watching uh, some old movies and not like old vintage movies but like just movies from the last couple of years um mm. some for the first time some rewatch uh rewatching but otherwise yeah it, the time is sort of flattened um whether it be by the uh, doom scrolling uh, of uh, endless nightmare twitter or it just be um the days blurring into one uh where you, you start an activity on one day and then when you finish that activity, you realize a week's gone by. That's, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's been sort of the, you know how people refer to LA as the sprawl. I feel like June has been sort of the human sprawl. <laughs> the sprawl of our lives. Yeah. It's nearly <laughs> July already, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Damn. The time waits for no person. But um, mm. yeah, uh, apart from that, yeah, I've, I think I've, I've done a lot of um, like prep stuff or like early stage things in the various endeavors in my life. So that's why it feels like I've not finished anything or done anything. But uh, I guess ask me this question again on the next episode and I'll probably have a lot more to tell you. Will do. We ask it every episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've got a little bit of news um, because like, Obviously, over the last few weeks, the lockdown has eased and we're finally bringing back the poll list because I guess comic shops are back in some parts of the UK. Mm. Um, so, I mean, like, I know for a fact, because like non-essential retail is back on, so I know for a fact certain comic stores are back up and running. Um, what I would encourage you to do is to check whether your LCS is back open. 
Um, if you, you know, if they've got kind of the correct safety measures in place and things, then obviously if you need to, if you want to buy your comics, then I would say go and support your LCS if you can do so safely. Cause you know, wear a mask, all of that stuff, take your hand sanitizer. Um, but here's the ones that I know for a fact are open because I've seen them announced uh, in various places, like social media wise. So no news yet for my LCS, which is Forbidden Planet Leicester, but I know there are various other Forbidden Planet stores that are back on. So Forbidden Planet International Belfast, Worlds Apart in Birmingham is back open. Forbidden Planet Dublin is back open. Forbidden Planet Hanley is back open. Worlds Apart in Liverpool is back open. Uh, Forbidden Planet Manchester and Forbidden Planet Nottingham. Um, Forbidden Planet Leeds uh, is also back and... Um, Monday, June 29th is when they plan to reopen Forbidden Planet Edinburgh and Forbidden Planet Glasgow. So, uh, actually, Leeds only just reopened yesterday. I also know that Gosh in London is open. That's the only one that I could find that wasn't Forbidden Planet advertised as open. Yeah, uh, Gosh, even talking about it because I was looking, I follow Orbital on Twitter and they haven't made any posts since like March, yeah. which is a little bit worrying. That's it. Yeah, that's why I'm I'm worried. Like looking at Orbitals from social media pages, thinking like, oh my gosh, because mm. they were they were having a little bit of woe anyway. Yeah, they changed their um, whole business model before this went down. They stopped doing yeah the monthly. Uh, well, they they kept them open for people that actually had standing orders, but they stopped yes. buying excess stock, didn't they? Yeah, they stopped having yeah. like this week, last week, and the last couple of weeks. They had a yeah. the wall on the entrance. I think that's changed now. Um, I think yeah, I've only been able to since they changed it, actually, and I, I don't really know what the, the big shift was apart from that. But, yeah, fingers crossed they're doing okay and they'll be able to return safely. No new comics, yeah. So, I mean, gosh, are open, but they're doing limited hours. So they're doing 10.30 till 5, seven days a week, which doesn't really seem like limited hours to me. That seems like what what I could, ex like, what I could like, feasibly expect from a comic shop anyway. So well done to them if they're able to do that safely. Um, but yeah, so like I say, some comic shops are back open. If you can go to your LCS and support your LCS, please do, because right now they need you, but don't do it unless it's safe for you to do so. Um, and that pretty much wraps it up for the past two weeks, unless anyone's got anything else they want to add or share. No, let's uh, dive into the comics. Yeah, let's get into it. So comics wise, I'm going to open this with something that I uh wanted to talk about last time but hadn't read it and had and and uh it basically the i have to kind of ration myself on these things anyway because there's only a finite amount of it and i can't go ripping and shredding through all of it because that just leaves me with nothing then and then what do i do you know um spina's comics is like 90 percent of my life so <laughs> Uh, this is something called Space Mullet. Um, last episode, I talked about the Ghost Fleet, and I said that I had more Daniel Warren Johnson locked and loaded in the form of a book called Space Mullet, and here it is. I'm ready to talk about it. We're talking about it now because I read it. So, Space Mullet, in the words of the Dark Horse website, is a balls-to-the-wall galactic road trip. <laughs> Ex-Space Marine Jonah and his co-pilot Alpheus rove the galaxy trying to get by. Drawn into one crazy adventure after another, they forge a crew of misfits into a family and face the darkest parts of the universe together. 
Space Mullet is a richly detailed, accessible sci-fi world with heartfelt characters and an unforgettable story. And this is actually a webcomic. Um, this began life as Daniel Warren Johnson's webcomic, and the whole thing is up on spacemullet.com. There are currently eight chapters of this. Um, it hasn't been updated for a while. Uh, this book that I've got, um, the latest update was January 2017. Uh, that's like on the website. So for the Space Mullet um, webcomic site. I'm assuming it's on hiatus due to the amount of other work that Daniel Warren Johnson has been pumping out. So, like, he's been... Uh, well, we've talked about a lot of his projects on here. We've talked about um, Murder Falcon. We've talked about Ghost Fleet. We've talked about Extremity. Um, there's the Wonder Woman book that he's currently putting out. So, yeah, I mean, I can fully understand why that might be on hiatus and all i can do is you know just just live in hope that maybe we'll get more because it's brilliant um the book that i purchased is beautiful it collects the first four chapters of the story and is published by dark horse it's called space mullet one gamble at a time it's kind of for me it's kind of like sci-fi space opera but dirty and more violent and more action-packed it's like a tale of redemption and vengeance and friendship it's got like Western threads weaving through it, like kind of that, like that whole Western feel, the way Western stories are told. Um, it's high octane. It's powerfully emotional in places. And as a storyteller, actually, Daniel Warren Johnson, he manages to tap into suffering and motivation to do good and be better and to redeem oneself like no other writer does, in, in my opinion. And when I'm reading his work, like a lot of his stories, they have a common theme of wanting to be a better person, of redeeming yourself and, and you know, like in suffering, finding the motivation to be and do better. And he, he, he manages to tap into these and capture these emotions beautifully as an artist as well. Like his brush strokes on the page. Like, wow. Like there's a little bit actually at the beginning of this, uh, of this book where he writes like a short kind of excerpt about how, you know, he looks back at the, the, uh, beginnings of space mullet, the first few pages he did. And he's like, he feels like he could barely handle a brush and his perspective was all off. And I'm looking at these pages and I'm just like, oh my God, this guy is like galaxies above most other people as an artist. And I don't understand where this is coming from, but Hey, ho. <laughs> Um, it's a great four chapters. It's a stunning collected edition. The designs of the ships and the tech and the sweeping landscapes that he creates, it's just brilliant. I mean, we've talked about how he does this kind of like, um, kind of anime manga-esque type thing going on. Like there's a lot of love in the way he draws and the way he designs machines for, um, for tech you may see in certain anime and things like that and it and, and it just feels so inspired by all of that stuff and, and just so inspired anyway um the world he's built actually here is amazing and yeah like i said before i can only live in hope that one day we'll get more everything feels fully fleshed out even down to the sports that people bet on and watch and the, the social dynamics as well like there's these interactions between different peoples uh, the humans colonizing other planets and treating other races terribly like second class citizens and how that might affect things like maybe access to healthcare or better living conditions. Does any of this sound familiar? 
Um, some of the battles and some of the action is really kinetic and visceral. And one of my favorite sequences is at the beginning of chapter three, where a big hulking imposing brute walks into a building, uh, like in the middle of a hostage situation. And it ends in like a full throttle shootout. Someone gets, he basically, there's like this bit where he basically boots the door through and the door cuts somebody in half. He kicks the door, the door flies across the room and cuts somebody in half. Like that's just pure made for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's space one, they didn't give it away. But yeah. I'm sitting here playing air guitar, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like devil horns out for that page. Um, but yeah, it's just it's paced beautifully. And it's it's a very one-sided full throttle shootout, as as you know. You you know, and and like it's it's just awesome. Like, there's an awesome like lying in it a bit of a little bit of catharsis bit of vengeance um and there's such awesome pages well paced beautifully illustrated animation uh, illustrated action um chapter three page five specifically is my favorite part of the shootout <laughs> i think that's the page where the door goes through the dude's head um I also really love the Mario Kart roller derby hardcore death race hybrid stuff that the people of Mars call entertainment in chapter four, which is excellent action. Um, like even down to the fact that, cause basically it's roller derby, but it's like really hardcore space roller derby and they have weapons and they kill each other. So they're all racing round on roller skates and um, they are like, they they get weapons like Mario Kart style. Like they have these little drones with question marks on and they grab the drone and or a ticket from the drone and then the drone delivers them a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire or a crowbar or something, right? Like a random weapon. It's the random weapons round, as they put it in the thing. Um, and it, it's just, it's brilliant. Like, the onomatopoeia in these action scenes, the lettering, the sheer imagination of the whole thing is just fantastic. And like, obviously, you know, there's a bit of social commentary in there as well. Um, like a little bit of, of stuff about colonization and the way, the way the humans are treating the other races in this. Um, and it's just all kind of, it's very well thought out. It's very well paced, very well written and uh, a really good story to read. Even if you won't, you know, like, I mean, go to Space Mullet uh, website, spacemullet.com and read it as a webcomic or go to um, go you buy the Dark Horse novel, graphic novel like I did, support this stuff because this is the stuff that I we want more of because it's fantastic. Um, so full list of credits for that. Daniel Warren Johnson. There you go. That's it. <laughs> he did the whole <laughs> thing himself. So, yeah. Uh, and it's either self-published at spacemullet.com or Dark Horse Comics. So, so yeah, Greg, I actually did start reading this, but I didn't have the time to go yeah. beyond chapter one. Um, but I just did just want to chime in and like say I I agree with you. The um like the line work in this is immense, and like I really like the the black, white, and blue color palette. And I I just skipped the page you were talking about with the door out of this gunfight, and it basically feels like Doom twenty sixteen on the page in black and white and blue. It's it's very cool. Yeah. Rip and tear. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this. I think I'm going to read this. 
yeah, you do need to read it. It's fantastic. Everyone needs to read more Daniel Warren Johnson, man. Everyone. Um, so, Ray, am I good to hand over to you for the next one? You can do. Sorry, I was just taking a sip of water just as you, as you asked me that. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about the one comic I've read in the last <laughs> in the last month, basically. Um, it's called uh, Wind. I think it's Wind. It could be Wind. Um, it's W-Y-N-D. Um, and the reason I think it's Wind is because it's about a young boy who um, is like flying through the air uh, surrounded by birds. So I assume he's like being lifted up by the wind. Um, it's a book by... Uh, James Tinian IV, uh, he's the writer. Um, James Tinian is responsible for Something is Killing the Children, which I think we talked about um, a little while ago. Um, and Greg, you probably know more about this than I do, but he's responsible for a recent Batman and Joker run for DC. Is yeah. Right? Yeah. So he's he's currently writing, well, he's like writing duties for the kind of like main blockbuster Batman run, the one that. Um, Tom King was doing until recently. Uh, James Tinian has taken over. Right, okay. Um, so Tom King came to the end of his tenure, and now we've got James Tinian on Batman. James Tinian's written a lot of Batman before anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read a lot of his Batman stories. And what he's doing right now is um, some big showdown with Batman and the Joker. He's building up to something big. Um, and uh, he's introduced a couple of new characters along the way. One of them, I think we may have mentioned on the show before, is um, Punchline, which is like a new kind of like um, a new a new kind of like female uh, Joker esque character. Um, oh, yeah, she works for Joker. She's kind of like a, a clown Kanuich is the best way for me to describe what she looks like. Fair so enough. like ninja Wait, clown. I'm not here to talk about Batman. <laughs> no, I, James, James, I, I, I respect what you're doing, but actually the reason I came onto it was uh, because of the work you did on something is killing the children. You which baited me into that monologue on purpose, well, didn't you? Just so you could interrupt me. I just wanted to confirm <laughs> that you that you knew what I'm, he was. Uh, I'm in. looking at the run sheet and you're going to do it again. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, actually, yes. Yeah, you caught me out. Uh, so the, the illustrator for this book is Michael uh, Dylanus. The Aliness. Uh, sorry, apologies if I am, and I probably am mispronouncing your name. Um, uh, the artist responsible for a book that I really enjoyed, um, that I, again I've talked about on the cast called Lucy Dreaming. And <laughs> Greg, as far as I can tell, he did some done, work on the TMNT. Work, work, right? Yes, he's, he's done some work for TMNT, and uh, <laughs> we met him at Thought Bubble. Oh, that Michael. Okay. <laughs> Right, yes, of course, of course, cool. We went to um, the stand at Thought Bubble. Yeah. yeah, 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 I remember. That was great. Yeah, I, 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 loved, I loved the guy's artwork. And that's the reason yeah. I came onto this book. Uh, between between him and um, Aditya Bidikar, who did the lettering, uh, who, again, I've also spoke, uh, spoken very highly of in the past for his work on Graffiti's Wall uh, with Ramvi and Isola, which we have both um, talked about and, like, really love. Um, so this is a, a, a new Boom comic, um, which I think came out on the 17th of June. It's an oversized 40 page issue, uh, which is why I feel justified in it being the only one that I read for this episode. Um, but basically uh, the book opens up with the titular wind, uh, a young Elfid boy uh, having nightmares of transforming into like a giant terrifying bird. Um, he's awoken by his sister Oakley who 
uh, works as a sewer engineer and Wind works as a waiter in his mum's tavern, uh, which serves the local plumbers slash engineers. And so we learned from a tavern patron that the king of the region has recruited the help of the bandaged man to help weed out the weird bloods, which are the pointy-eared folk, which I assume is what Wind is. We don't really get that far into it in this issue. Um, and these, these pointy-eared folk, these weird bloods, um, these are people who have a bit of magic to them. And according to this guy, infectious in a vague and pointedly racist way. Um, so right off the bat, we've been introduced to like a bunch of buzzwords, which are then quite quickly thrown away. And I quite like that. And I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. But we're, we're introduced to a few other characters throughout the run of this book, um, Beyond Wind, his sister and his mum. There's a gardener and his son, Thorn, who watches his dad murder an adorable sentient rose. And if you want to find out why, you're going to have to read the book. It's very cool. Um, we're introduced to the royalty of this empire and particularly the prince, uh, Prince Yorick, who appears to have an intimate relationship with Thorn, but it's not yet explicit to what extent that relationship goes. Um, and basically towards the end of this book, Yorick kicks off the main plot by outlining a conspiracy of royal succession, uh, which involves this mysterious bandaged man. And this is one of my favorite kinds of issue number ones. Like it doesn't do too much verbal world building. It throws a couple of um, like law terms at you, which it doesn't really fully explain, but like you can get the gist of it just by context or, you know, cause the way people are talking about it. And it instead lets the, the visual charm of the world take over. And like, there is a lot of charm in this book. Again, like we said, because um, like, like with Lucy Dreaming, I think I've, I've explained how much I like Michael's work. Uh, in the past, but like in this one, it's uh, very like grainy, chunky digital brush strokes, um, like lines filled with bold, flat, warm pastels. And it's the the thing that stood out to me straight away was um, not just like the 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 chunky character work, which I'll get to in a second, but like this particular style makes the food being served in this tavern have a really wholesome, hearty pub grub look. Uh, which just made me hungry. Like that, you you know something is effective when it makes you hungry. Um, and everyone in this world has like bouncy, weighty hair, and the world has like buoyant, cartoony physics. For example, uh, Wind is carrying a plate of food which um, suspends in midair as he's like rushing and bouncing to deliver it. And the plates are sent up to the main hall on this gushing pneumatic dumbwaiter, which like super shouldn't work. All the like the mashed potatoes would have been soaked. But it has a steampunk Ghibli-esque charm to it, which I really like. And like, it doesn't fully make sense, but it's it's fun because of that. Um, so like I said, the, the characters' designs are quite chunky and like cartoonishly exaggerated. Um, everyone's got like this kind of stocky square build to them, and you get a real sense that it's a hardworking town. Like all of these things are expressed really well in, in the artwork. Um, notable exceptions are Wind and uh, Prince Yorick, who have more... Mm, like youthful frailty and like an anxious liveness respectively for both of those two characters. And I, I, I particularly like Yorick's character design. He kind of, he's a bit awkward. Like he wears, he's the, like the prince of the realm and he wears a cape with three quarter length trousers, which is a bit weird. And he has like blue and yellow eyeshadow and blue and yellow teardrop earrings and like really cool asymmetric locks. And he looks a bit like a nervous mix between Killmonger and Loki in the MCU. It's, it's a very cool design. Um, it's like, like I said, the, the opening half of this book, it in particular does some really, really great scene setting. Like it doesn't exposit too much about the kingdom, but like you get to see that there's giant pipe work everywhere. There's plumbing engineers everywhere. And we later find out that it's called Pipe Town and there's a bunch of canals. So like clearly water is really important to this, to this region. 
Um, and because of all like this intricate pipe work and stuff, I'd be disappointed if it didn't have like an uh, what am I thinking of like an anime esque scene of somebody clambering around on all these pipes to get to a secluded spot. And that's exactly what we get halfway through this book because Wind does exactly that. Um, although what I liked about it was interestingly it doesn't lead to like this huge grand reveal where he's climbed to the highest point and he's you know like surrounded by clouds and you get to see this infinite expanse of the kingdom instead it's quite small and humble and it gives this really strange sense of quaint busyness but like it's not cramped and bustling like i've come to expect from these kind of settings for example like in a ghibli movie it's it's quite nice and like compact and tidy um and then the construction uh, i'll go over very quickly like the framing for the most part is quite simple it's uh, you know these these flat square panels, mostly flanked by like chunky white gutters without too many complicated arrangements. Uh, but it's really effective at expressing like everyone's relationships to their surroundings, and like it's varied enough to not be monotonous. And it's like it's it's so readable. And I you know how much I like that. Like it's um, if something's coming off the page and you could just get a sense of it without even looking at the words. Um, that's the kind of thing that really draws me in. And um, there's like. There's a really nice bit in the middle which shakes this up where wind is surveying the landscape through a telescope and there's like these circular panels intercut between the people he's spying on and his reactions to it and that's that's all really nice and effective and like bouncy and um I, I really liked how some of the dialogue between the characters is like regularly punctuated with a close-up of the speaker on a nice really textured single color background and like you, you get this sense that they're in their surroundings because like the color palette sort of follows on from what you what has been established in the panels before. And it's all it's all really nice and it works in a really like, I don't know, um like an organic sort of way. I think it's it's really nicely thought out that way because it's like I said, very readable. And um so I mentioned before like the the lettering. Um much like Isola, Aditya's calligraphic style um for like his made up scripts and like oh, sorry, it's particularly for Isola um, Isola, he has like animalistic noises really uh, really well expressed through the script and like this the fantasy types and stuff that kind of kind of returns here like off the bat we get wind's tortured nightmare transformation screams um and they're embodied in this like bold shaky drowsy pen and then you get like the straining consonants and like onomatopoeia of his bones bending and like teeth breaking in these hard scratchy consonants like it's all super effective it's like leaps off the page at you and like each line is penned multiple times, like crossing over and ending abruptly with hard perpendicular like lines abutting the end of the, the letters. It's it's very cool and like harsh and abrupt. And then like what I liked was there's clearly a lot of thought put into this, like there was with Isola, where um like softer, less dramatically variated versions of this is using the day-to-day onomatopoeia. And it makes the nightmare sounds feel like an exaggeration of the daily life sounds. Like I thought that was like really effective. Um Overall, super taken with this book, um, and you get your bang for your buck because it's like a, a good forty pages. And I honestly, I think I'm going to keep up with this one. Like I've not said that for a number one comic in quite a while. I feel like where I think I'm on, I'm super on board with this, and uh, not actually sure when the next one comes out. Let me check. Hmm. I don't have that to hand, but uh, but yeah, I'd recommend it. That's uh, Wind, and it's on Boom Studios, and. Just check out the cover to see if the, the art style appeals to you. I wanted to read this. Yeah. I do really like the art style. Mm. And mm. um like 
I wanted to read this before the show, but unfortunately I didn't manage to get around to it. So I've been living vicariously through what you've just been saying. And uh, <laughs> I, I tried not to give too much away. Like, I think there's a, yeah. there's an interesting, I, I think I've mentioned how, like, I don't really get along with political dramas that much because like they're often really complicated and like, I can't keep track of all the moving parts and stuff. Whereas in this number one, it seeds everything with just a little bit. Like you get a couple of characters and you get, a little bit of the intrigue and you get a little bit of the like the outside of the empire mystery and that's enough to keep me going for now and then yeah. hopefully it'll slowly feed that in over the next few issues and that's that's the kind of style that works for me yeah i'm uh i'm looking forward to checking that out and i think i might be doing that like later on this evening or tomorrow nice yeah good for sure it's not, it's not a super long read like it's not dense or anything it's quite like it's yeah. quite a casual or fun read yeah 40 pages isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah that's that sound that sounds like something i want to check out i'm going to check that out um what i'm going to do now is i'm going to go next with another one off my list which is cult classic creature feature so crank up those misfits records yes i've actually been listening to a music history podcast called no dogs in space this is this is a story like story time okay they did a two-part series on the misfits and that left me with like a, a a hunger a hankering for some decent trashy horror so what did i do i went and hit up my buddy the loft dweller and did he have a recommendation for me so this is a vault title and this is called cold classic creature feature and uh, this is written by elliot rahal um John Bivens uh, is the artist on this, and uh, colors are split between Hannah Jerry and Iris Monaghan. Letters by Taylor Esposito. Um, so, Elliot Rahal, you may um, remember we sort of like dropped his name when we talked about Bleed Them Dry because he's cut, he, he, he had like writing duties on that. Um, and this is just fantastic. So, I'm going to read you the blurb for this. Eons ago, visitors from outer space buried an item of unimaginable power in the primordial swamps that would one day become King Lake, a quaint little basin on the edge of Whisper, USA. Millions of years later, a comet's radioactive waves awaken the monster slumbering beneath the lake. As the beast feeds on America's sweet, delicious youth, brain slugs infect the quiet town, causing victims to vomit up their kill-hungry, zombified skeletons. But for 17-year-old Jared Parker, none of that stuff matters much. For him, this isn't about the apocalypse. It's about payback. Nothing, not his friends, not the undead, not even the end of the world will keep him from vengeance. And, uh, yeah, it's a wild ride. So, you do not understand how badly I want this adapted into a punk concept album. <laughs> It actually has its own soundtrack already of trippy electronic new wave music that has kind of like this 80s B-movie Casio flavor by a band called Drift Click. Um, you can find it on Bandcamp for $3, which is £2.43 in English. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Um, it is fantastic. The writing's great. The way the first issue opens is awesome. It has everything you want late on a Friday night. <laughs> It even has the local TV station horror host, Rip G Raves, <laughs> right? And the lettering in this is great because, like, Rip G Raves has, like, his own lettering style, obviously because he's got, like, kind of a spooky, weird voice, and that's why he got the job as horror host. Um, 
but like I mean, you all know that I love this stuff. Like you get immersed in the radioactive glow of it all, like the eerie neon colors and the Lovecraftian space monsters and the cool designs like eons old Lovecraftian beasts that live at the bottom of lakes. Like the designs are amazing. It's like right off the bat, it's, it's, it does everything correctly. Like it, it has this whole thing with like, it opens with this flying saucer in space and you can just imagine the, what do they call that instrument where it's like the two rings and you move your hands up and down? So, that's it, yeah. So <laughs> that's like, how it opens. the button, theremin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like this this thing from outer space drops some kind of capsule and like there's an alien language that doesn't get translated and you know what? You don't need it to be translated. Um, and it lands at the bottom of this lake and then we're in this town called Whisper, the TV station called QYET, Quiet. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I love the pure chaos of the design of this monster, like a writhing mass of teeth and tentacles and eyes, and it knocked my socks off. And then there's like my favorite panels in the whole thing, which is a step-by-step -step of one of the characters throwing up her own skeleton, <laughs> like in across like a step-by-step -step of panels, um, in the first wild. issue. Yeah, it is wild. Like, That's and nasty yeah it's great the skeleton like glows in the dark and you can just imagine these things like glowing in the dark and running around in like film it's over one two three four five six panels with some like really good onomatopoeia like lettering and stuff and like skeleton voices have this kind of like high-pitched lettering that i don't know is it like a chatter is it like a screech i imagine it more of a screech like some kind of like laughing screech type thing that these skeletons do because they're kill crazed and they're not just skeletons they have their organs still so um and yeah and you can just imagine the noises as this is happening as this skeleton is climbing out of the skin feet first um and like you can just actually imagine this happening in like um budget special effects with like um glow-in-the-dark rubber puppets or cheap animatronics or something <laughs> you know it's just like <laughs> and and like gush like oozing like oodles and oodles and oodles of slime you know um and the crazy eyes on the skeletons like spinning around and stuff because they have these crazy like spinny eyes that you imagine on like goofy toy halloween skeletons or something it's great um yeah and then the issue four has my favorite double spread ever which is a hospital waiting room full of people throwing up their own skeletons <laughs> well is it contagious oh yeah no it's the brain slugs isn't it <laughs> so the brain... <laughs> yeah but that's a very like they're all going through that that's harsh <laughs> yeah the, the, the plague of brain slugs sweeping the town so like imagine this is a low budget slime fest it like it gave me goosebumps so yeah this book is fantastic and there is another story from Whisper in the cult classic universe that came out prior to this one that I intend to talk to you about very soon. This is called Cult Classics Return to Whisper, which I will be buying. Um, this one is like, it's five issues and it's available now on Comixology. And there's a, um, I'm going to have to look this up actually, because there's a collected edition of it that's going to be available pretty soon. Yeah, so the collected edition of Cult Classic Creature Feature is going to be available in august this year so august 12 2020 um and it's got like this really cool freaky green cover um 
that's I'm looking at this on Comicsology, but obviously there will be a physical edition of it as well. And if you can, I implore you to get the physical edition because it will be awesome. And I want the physical edition of this. I think I will be purchasing it when it comes out because I've got it digitally now, but I think I might be buying the physical of the trade. Um, yeah, it, it's just fantastic. And until I get the chance to talk about cult classic Return to Whisper, um, stay plugged in, stay tuned and stay alive to quote uh, Mr. Rip G Raves. Yeah. Um, that is Cult Classic Creature Feature by Vault Comics. And wow, what a thing that was. And and like, that was like, this is like kind of like my, this, this fed my soul, if you get me. <laughs> you sound so excited about this. <laughs> I am. You need to yeah. read it. I mean, it's totally not your thing because I, I can just imagine you kind of like wincing at the idea of people throwing up their own skeletons. But oh, I, I love the idea. It's the way you described it. It sounded awful. <laughs> yeah. You should but check like, it out. The minute you said it had slime in it, I was like, yeah, Greg loves this. <laughs> like, there's so a it, reason Greg loves this. I mean, I don't know. Like, in some of the pages, you can tell that there would probably be slime if this was a movie. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where it's it's just, like, I can imagine sitting watching this in the dark at 3 a.m. on Friday night. like <laughs> Playing with your Nickelodeon gag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, yeah. It's got me written all over it. It's radical as hell. So um, I think we're going to hand over to Leon for the next one now. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, so have you ever thought about becoming a voice actor, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people say that to me, but I don't know where to start with that. So, <laughs> like, but yeah. I don't know. You've got your, you've got your real setup already from these podcasts. You should yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, like, keeping on with the, like, music vibe, uh, that you'd mentioned as part of that comic. Um, we have a comic called Youth, and the first season's completed, which is like four issues, uh, but I believe a second season's on its way, as well as like a, a plan to continue the comic going, which is quite interesting for me, because um, I know we've had, in like recent years, we've had a few comics where they had like a run of maybe four, six issues and then got picked up for like a second volume. But it's funny with this, how it is kind of like the thing that I always bring up with like reminding me of a TV show. This is very much like a season one of a TV show going into a season two. But uh, yeah, so you've got uh, Youth, which the best way to describe is probably how Comixology have been describing it. And that is, uh, Youth is Larry Clark's Kids meets Chronicle, X-Men by the way of Frank Ocean. It smashes together the violence of coming of age with the violence of the superhero narrative, as well as the beauty. And this is a comic that I came across, I think I just saw the cover maybe, and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. Uh, so then I, I bought uh, the first issue, Comicsology completed. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. So I bought the rest of the issues. And then upon completing it, I found out because it's a Comicsology original, <laughs> uh, it's on Comicsology Unlimited if you've got that. Uh, it's on Kindle Unlimited if you've got that. And it's on Prime Reading, which I do have. Uh, but having read all of it, I don't regret paying for a comic that I could have read for free because uh, it's. Why would you uh, not? 
pay for it and support the artist. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I yeah. think they've got to. I mean, I assume them being published by Common Sans, you mean they're being paid regardless. But I don't yeah. feel bad because one, each comic was like £1.75 anyway. Uh, but but two, it felt good to actually spend money on this because, uh, yes, it's a good set of comics. And uh, when I was originally reading it, I didn't, I assumed that it was just going to be a four issue run. So as we started, as I got into like the st uh, the mid stages of issue four, I was like, man, how are they going to wrap this up? Um, and it, it, it does wrap in a really interesting way if this was like a mini series, but knowing that there's more uh, to come is interesting. But anyway, getting, getting ahead of myself. So this comic is written by uh, Kurt Perez. Uh, the art's done by Alex Giotto. Uh, it's coloured by D. Cunliffe and lettered by Michael Myers. And I said that published by Comicsology is one of their originals. And this comic starts off with these two, two teenagers, uh, one named Frank, who is definitely inspired by, uh, in design by uh, Frank Ocean, the musician. And then you have another teen, uh, who's named River, and he is uh, heavily inspired and designed by the, uh, the late actor River Phoenix. And, uh, I mean, and this is remarked on in, in the comic anyway, but, like, uh, it starts off with both of them living in this small town America. Like, the, the first panel just opens with Once Upon a Time in the United States of America, and it shows this big empty lot, uh, like a commercial estate, and uh, it shows them both in their lives, both isolated uh, and hating their life and wanting to escape. Frank works at a, a, like a burger place where he gets hassle from his manager and uh, racist customers. And uh, River gets hassle from his stepdad, who um, basically hassles him, uh, telling him that he's uh, like lazy and needs to sort his life out uh, uh, as well as like like ver ver verbally abusing him. And so you're, you're in this situation with these two people who is like the classic setup of these disaffected teens who just, just need out of, of their humdrum life and like they want to go to wherever they can make their dreams come true. They just want to escape this horrible place. And then the uh, added... Um, like interesting layer to both of these kids is that they're they're both queer, they're both uh, both gay, and so the way the comic is presented, we jump back and forwards in time, uh, where we uh, see how these uh, these guys meet, um, and see how see what their 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 life is like, and then see them make the decision to sort of go on the run and uh, engage in their in their kids like shenanigans and so this happens very early on and they uh they uh steal a car and uh go on a journey uh to whatever's out there there's anywhere but home and during this they meet some other uh other group of uh dysfunctional teens and uh end up going to house parties and and all such and it's all quite uh a drug and drink fueled world, uh, uh, and like typical uh, teen stuff happens where like people uh, 
get annoyed with each other, have arguments, just uh, all, all the normal stuff that seems so important at the time and really is not important at all. And then what happens as they uh, are cutting over some some details, but like uh, they end up uh, running away from the police, like in a uh, driving away from the police. And while they're on the highway, uh, in in the back in this in the sky, uh, the beautifully purple sky, uh, a meteor comes down and hits their truck. And from that point on, uh, this is where the comparisons to um chronicle come in because the five teens end up with various superpowers and these superpowers then inform the rest of their journey um and the rest of the hijinks that they get into for the remainder of the four issues and it's really cool setup this first issue uh, in uh, in particular and like as, as you guys have heard me many times listeners and even more times, uh, my fellow hosts, uh, I hate issue ones a lot of the time because <laughs> it's just really hard to talk about. Every it's, time. It's not, there's not enough meat on the bone usually, and uh, I'm having to take a lot of faith in where the comic could go on an issue one. And obviously I didn't have long to wait with this because it was all out. But even then, even if I had a month to wait, the setup was good enough that, like, and there's so much meat in the first issue uh, that it felt like, oh, I, I, I've, I've no idea where this is going, but I'm interested to see where it goes. And um, all of that is like brought together by all the different, all the various elements. Um, the uh, the previous mention of like, the coloring throughout this is amazing. Um, just from simple stuff like the fact that. Frank has got green hair and it always looks cool. Um, just the like the styles and fashions of the, of the of the kids. Uh, just the way like stuff like the sky looks. Like all of it isn't like a showy affair, but what it really does is, for me, effectively capture the um, the atmosphere, the tone, but also the emotion of what's going on because uh, like to pivot over to the, like the line work the um the, there's so much here like that is wordless and uh, a lot of uh what happens and what is conveyed is done especially some pivotal scenes is done without dialogue like uh, uh in issue three there's um, a page that has 15 panels on it uh and it takes place uh within a club and uh, we have like 15 panels and so much unspoken like emotion jealousy anger happens in these 15 panels and then it's followed by a 12 panel page <laughs> so yeah and and all of it is like there's such an intensity and like even though you can't hear the music you can hear the music it, it's uh <laughs> you can just feel the music just reading the panel but that was what brings me to another element of this is where all of there's there's various elements, uh, various stages in throughout these books where someone's listening to music or music's playing, and then uh, there'll be a a, a uh, like a, a a box telling you play, and then it will say artist and the song. And I didn't do it while listening, but I should have because I think it would would have heightened the experience. But I I pretty much I knew I knew knew all the songs, so I play them in my head. But like um, 
you could pretty much play these songs while reading these panels and it would um would sync up really well so like during the club scene it's uh apex apex twin window liquor and like you can just hear you hear that in your head booming and blasting while all these catchers trying are like shouting to uh, uh communicate with each other but um that element is really cool because one the, the song picks are, are like cool but it's also especially for me as a teen to this day like um a lot of memories and pivotal times and just emotions and actions, arguments and blah, blah, blah. I can, uh, th there's like a soundtrack to it. Cause I, I was just, I've, I was just always listening to music when, when we moved past the cassette era, <laughs> I carried around a Discman like an idiot in my bag. Uh, and, and I wouldn't even just listen to albums. I'd have singles with like four tracks on them as well <laughs> that I'd flip in and out uh, into my Discman. And I had a really cool Discman. It was like an orange uh, Sony Antishock one. And the Antishock was really good, uh, surprisingly. But then every now and then, because I'm a fast walker, every now and again, it would start to hitch. And I'd be like, oh, need to need to walk a bit slower. <laughs> like uh, uh, anyone under the age of like 25, I'm sorry. <laughs> but this was a real thing. <laughs> I had a, a Panasonic silver and blue thing that was a Discman that was like anti-shock um, that I used to listen to on the bus on the way to school. And I had a, before that I had a tape player. So was I had it, a, a Walkman or? Yeah, I had a cassette Walkman, man. <laughs> I had a cassette Walkman. Yeah, and I used to make my own tapes. So anybody listening under the age of 25, you don't know pain. You think it's like hassle making a playlist on Spotify or something. You haven't made a tape. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? The way, the way that we revere vinyl, the Zoomers are revering tape. Yeah, like, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah tape yeah, is, coming, yeah. is coming back. Mm -hmm. Okay. But like, um, yeah, all, all of that, like I say, it contributes to uh, a lot, an authentic feeling of like, I don't know, teen, not melodrama, teen doom in some ways. <laughs> and like the, the writing is so good because oftentimes uh, when like adults are writing teens, it doesn't feel right. Like either they just have them speak like adults or it's really cringeworthy. Uh, like one of my favorite games uh, of like the last couple of years is, is like Life is Strange. Uh, and yeah. I love Life is Strange, but some of that dialogue is hella off-putting. Hella weird. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like here, it just feels like really authentic. Um, the way because it's it's written exactly how the characters would talk, but it doesn't feel like an affect. It doesn't feel like it's um, uh, trying too hard. It just feels like people are talking and conversing the way they would, and. Yeah, throughout throughout the book, it just it escalates and escalates and escalates, and um, it, it 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 zigs when it when you think it's going to zag, and it takes a lot of left turns when you think it's going to go right, and it does uh, keep you on your toes because I, I had no idea where this was going, um, and I thought it was going to end in a different place, in a way different place than it did, um, but yeah, overall. Um, uh, I really enjoyed these uh, these four issues. I'd say if I've got any uh, like reservations or anything, is that part of me that there's 
there's an element to do with the government getting involved, which, as it stands with this first season, didn't feel as vital to the drama that was going on with the teens. And I would have probably uh, enjoyed it more if we just stayed with the teens the whole time. But we, there is some stuff where it, there's a, an element of that brought in. And it's funny, that stuff, and it's uh, interesting. But, like, um, I don't know, it, it, for where it stands, there, there wasn't enough meat on that bone to hook me to that element of the story. Um, but, like I was saying, overall, I think everything ends in a place that makes me excited for whatever happens with a season two. And from what I've heard, I think there's um, a possible like a, a greenlit adaptation or maybe it's in development or something like that for like a TV show or movie. And I could see that. I could see that working, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it says on Kurt Perez's um, Twitter page, like the pinned tweet is already in development at Prime Video and he's adapting and executive producer. Uh, that's awesome because um it it definitely feels like that and i think you could even go a separate way because i especially because it's the same person who's like ep i i I could see it where even though the book itself is quite cinematic i could see how you would uh do things that work best with the tv medium instead of just making it like i don't know sin city or Watchmen, uh, the TV series where it's a translation. But yeah, there's a lot to, uh, to like about this book, and I am very interested in seeing where it goes, and I'm very interested in checking out um, the creative team's other works, because um, especially because I, I believe, at the very least, the writer, artist, and colorist have done a uh, a previous um uh, done an image comic together i think i might not be 100 percent accurate on all the people involved in that but um yeah i'm very interested to check that out because um this is just out of nowhere just a fun book and it uh, all, all the different elements that come into it whether it be uh, like the sexuality um the the drama or the like identity none of that is like heavy-handed in any particular way but it isn't just like flavor it's in intricate to the drama and the tensions that happen but it's not like uh the sole focus or or like the 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 only like the characters aren't ciphers for for this type of thing but they're just real people uh and i quite i quite like that and it, it makes it uh like it, it makes it nice to read, but it also it adds like untold like layers and depth to each mm. character, and I, and I quite like that. I want to go back to what you were saying about the music, mm. um, because we we've talked about this. This comes up quite a bit sometimes when we talk about like the intersection of music and comics. Yeah, um, and it just brings me back to one of the reasons that uh, one of the other reasons I enjoyed the David Bowie graphic novel. Um, is the fact that throughout it they have you know like parts of his songs and things like that and and you can imagine hearing those as you're reading it and it wouldn't be out of place to put those songs on while you were reading it which i have done 
and tried and it does work very well it's really good um and it's it's like i, mean, I think i've said this on twitter it's like the, this thing that music and comics are well harmonized and like comics are the perfect medium for communicating stories that where music is quite central mm. i think i think it works very well um and it, that is something that i should check out as well then because i need to and this is another one that i want to check out which i yeah. mean i've seen it advertised in a lot of places and seen a lot of buzz about it on twitter but i should check this out yeah you should yeah check it out definitely it, yeah. it got me thinking though um one thing that'd be interesting because this is like a comicsology original um you could uh <laughs> if the right companies uh shook hands in the right ways i mean it's amazon they control the world and they've got their own music service. But you, there could be a thing where, like, on the panels, uh, where it says, like, so one of them is this, uh, Kanye West and the song is I Thought About Killing You mm-hmm. off, his, off the A album. If you press that button, if it started playing it... That would be cool, because, like, that's right. Because I've just been reading issue number one, because, one, you blew my mind that it came free as part of, uh, like, Cloud Reader. I had no idea that was a thing with comics on here. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, that that particular song is at the end of this comic, and that would be a great way to like punctuate the like to bookend having read these thirty pages and then drop that song. Yeah, it, so- it feels like like in TV, like mm. that starts playing and then the credits hit and it plays over the credits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. The, the magic of digital. <laughs> that would be cool if you could do that. I, um, can see it I mean, yeah, I can I can see that happening at some point um it, it would be something that would be pretty cool it, like for something like watchmen as well because yeah, it's yeah the like, original um like full circle back towards flash videos do you know what i mean like instead of yeah. it being like a, a motion comic or like something where the the timing and pacing of the action the audio to the video is set up by somebody else like if you got to click through those things and it just had looped audio in the background that would be cool because i remember reading stuff like um broken saints and whatever back in in the early 2000s and it was like flash videos and you got to control the pacing mm, that, yeah. that would be awesome i'd love to see someone adapt that for this yeah because part of that r- reminds me of like stuff like problem sleuth and mm. say homestuck which like um obviously those evolved and evolved and evolved but in the it, even in the early stages where they had like animated like panels and and playing music and even interactive games and stuff like that so what I'm going to do now is uh, we're going to take a trip back in time. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes. So uh, we are now going to be talking about Superman smashes the clan. And what I have just read out is the intro from the... Um, what well the the radio show that this is based on so superman smashes the clan in the 1940s there was a superman radio show called the adventures of superman in 1946 with the help of the adl which is the anti-defamation league and stetson kennedy who is a um like an anti-clan who was an anti-clan reporter at the time uh this show put out a 16-part story called the clan of the fiery cross and the clan of the fiery cross were a um, a parody approximation slash something along those lines of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, this, ep- these, this 16 part story struck out 
at the KKK, trivializing its rituals and practices, and Superman fought the Klan and stood up for justice and equality. And it worked. The message of the show actually had a negative effect on the Klan's public image and, uh, well, by having them portrayed as hateful fools. Today, we have uh, this graphic novel released by DC uh, that is an adaptation of the story told across these 16 radio episodes. You can find all 16 on YouTube. I've, uh, I've found a, a really cool playlist here that uses some of the um, original Flasia studio art um, from the old Superman cartoons um as like kind of like backdrop for this while you're listening to it on the uh on the youtube videos and um i'm gonna link that playlist in the show notes um yeah this book is powerful um it's a great story about how to accept yourself and stand up to prejudice and it's set during the 40s and therefore features a golden age superman a superman who does everything a person does but better a superman who isn't truly alien and that's part of that's like a big big thing in this in this book uh and he's not how we know him today so the blurb for this the year is 1946 and the lee family have moved uh has moved from metropolis chinatown to the center of the bustling city while dr lee is greeted warmly in his new position at the metropolis health department his two kids roberta and tommy are more excited about being closer to their famous hero superman Inspired by the 1940s Superman radio serial, Clan of the Fiery Cross, and drawn by uh, Guru Hiru, uh, Jean Luen Yang, American-born Chinese, Boxers and Saints, The Terrifics, and New Superman, brings us his personal retelling of the adventures of the Lee family as they team up with the Superman to smash the clan. So, um... He's got this Chinese-American family that have moved from the Chinatown to the center of Metropolis, and through the narrative of the book, um it explores how it how it feels to grow up as the children of an immigrant family the everyday prejudices and racism that comes with that the pressure to assimilate and fit in learning to accept yourself for who you are and not be ashamed of your heritage and everything else and it has a lot in common with american born chinese in that way which is another comic by the same writer which we've also discussed um you can go back through our previous episodes and check that out um, the book also explores this using Superman's own origin as the last son of Krypton, the parallels it draws between the Lee family taking English names and um, Superman hiding his origin using the name Clark Kent, you know, instead of his Kryptonian name, Kal-El. And the clan come to try and strike fear into the Lees to send them a hateful message that no matter how hard they work or how much they try, they will never be accepted or belong. And the Lee family don't give up. They fight on and they don't let it frighten or phase them. They have Superman, Lois and Jimmy Olsen fight in their corner. And uh, Superman begins to see some of himself in the Lee children and through them, by the end of the story, gains the courage to fully accept his origin and reaches his true potential. And uh, so does Roberta, which obviously I'm not going to spoil too much, but you need to read the book. Um, I love this book. and It's definitely one of my favorite Superman stories. The art is gorgeous. It has this playful manga edge to it and it just looks so clean and bright. The colors are gorgeous. I do love the character design. Um, like, give me some DC animated features in this style, please. Like, there's so much bounce to it, and everything is just so considered and well-designed. Like, I especially love the designs of Superman and Lois in this, actually. I like that it's set during the golden age of comics, and there's even a cameo appearance of the Flying Graysons in a circus scene, which I really liked. Uh, woven throughout the whole thing, there's this beautiful message of hope, and it's exactly what we need right now. Like, it's 
you know, it's just something, it's just such a great book to read. And I fully recommend this to you too. Um, so if I run through the credits quickly, we've got Jean Luen Yang, who is the writer here. Uh, Gurahiru, which is a team made up of Chifu Yusasaki and uh, Nako Kawano. They're a, a team of Japanese artists. So um, Chifu Yusasaki does the pencils and the inks, and Nako Kawano is the colorist. Uh, you've got letters by Janice Chang, and uh, this is published by DC Comics. Um, at the end of it, there's like an essay slash article, which um, kind of Gene Luen Lang talks about his own experiences through this and how, you know, like he connected with Superman in, in a way, being the child of an immigrant family and things like that. So, yeah, the essay is called um, Superman and Me which is by Jean Luen Yang. And um, he basically explains um, the, you know, like the, the whole effect of the KKK on the American Chinese population on the West Coast um, back in the kind of 1800s um, and how like, you know, like it, it basically gets into the whole thing about systemic racism and things like that. And, what Superman means to people and how Superman is kind of this evergreen symbol of equality and accepting yourself and, you know, accepting who you are and everything else. Uh, and it's really cool. I really like it. Um, and I, I fully recommend anyone to check this out and even check out the original 16 part radio show because I, I think this is great. And it's, it's something that, you know, it's a piece of history, man. <laughs> It's something great from from back in the archives that you should just check out and listen to. And you can stick it on YouTube and there's a whole playlist with all 16 episodes. So, yeah, that is uh, Superman yeah, Smashes the Clown. Yeah, the is really cool. Um, it looks looks great. Yeah, it's it's well worth a go. Um, actually, this, Ray, this is probably pretty up your yeah. alley, actually, yeah, as well. I thought that was really cool. So we've actually got a pull list for you this week. We do, yeah. We do, yes. We have a pool list. <laughs> what? In this That's right, yes. <laughs> the gears are turning once more. So um, I'm not going to spend too much time talking about each of these. I'm just going to rattle through them because I'm, I'm just more excited for the fact that comics are back than anything else. Um, so we've got uh, coming out on the 24th of the 6th, 2020, we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 105, which is the continuation of an awesome run that you all need to check out. Uh, TMNT jenica number three which is like the third part of the jenica miniseries which kind of gives you a little bit of a little bit of background on who jenica is and what she's about and it's great there's a couple of new number ones coming out there's that texas blood which is kind of like a um western like the uh the blurb for this says it's like Texas gut punched by no country for old men. It's like a mature neo-Western crime series. Uh, kicks off when the search for a casserole dish leads to a dark, intense confrontation on Sheriff Bob Coates' 70th birthday. Um, and this is um, Jacob Phillips, Chris Condon, and Sean Phillips. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, checking this out because it sounds like something, something to give a go. This this kind of like this um, noir western type thing, which 
I quite quite dig the idea of bleed them dry is also out the 24th of the 6th which uh, we covered on the previous episode you go back and check that out make sure you've got yourself put down for that because it is fantastic uh ray where you at yes yeah, so i've got a few reminders of things that um stuff that i haven't actually fully caught up on but i want to get back into um so for example sex criminals number 29 is coming out on the 24th and i believe that is running up to the ending i think they're going to finish on issue number 31 i think 30 will be the actual ending and 31 will be like a coda um but just a reminder that that's coming to a close soon um got die number 11 which is the start of a new arc um we've got batman the smile killer which is a new number one and that's by jeff lemire and i picked that up because i thought you would be interested in that greg it's not something that was on my radar but something that you know you've mentioned jeff lemire's way past um, yeah it's a um it's I think the Smile Killer is like a sequel to um or an epilogue to something that oh, okay. already exists. Um Yeah, and then I, I've also picked yeah. out a couple of trade paperbacks. Um so Crowded volume number two will be coming out. And uh, Leon and I have both talked about issues of Crowded in the past, and that's it's a very good book. And John Wick volume number one, which is something I think I talked about a couple of years ago. I read the first couple of issues and then said, oh, I'll wait for the trade to come out. And finally, the trade is coming out. So that's one to look forward to. Yeah. And then we move on to the 1st of July. The plot's back. It's back. Uh, yes, the plot number five. So uh, one of the best horror comics of last year is back again with a new issue, the plot number five. We've got Ghostbusters year one number four, which is Spotlight Egon Spengler, um, interview with Egon. Uh, the previous three was the previous three members of the uh, the the boys in grey, the Ghostbusters, yes. Uh, Olympia number five, which is the conclusion. We have covered previous issues. Uh, well, we've, we've previously covered Olympia on the show um great little homage to jack kirby and everything that's cool about what jack kirby did in comics uh and then we've got all america comics number one which is a new thing from image which is a riff on um miss america chavez from what i can glean from this uh so that's miss america chavez the marvel character uh, and this is kind of a riff on this, and her name is Vasquez. Her first name says it all, so I think she's called American Vasquez. Um, I've been seeing this advertised in a lot of places, and um, I feel like it'd be quite a cool thing to check out. Um, so her last name is Vasquez. Her first name says it all. And when confronted with the hidden secrets of the universe, you won't believe the cosmic truth she uncovers. Brought to you by the Wildcats version 3.0 team of Joe Casey and Dustin Nguyen, reunited for the first time in 15 years. So, yeah, that's going to be pretty exciting. Um, Ray, where are we at with you? So, for the 1st of July, uh, you pointed out Olympia number 5. That is, in fact, the comic, Leon, that you were mentioning, the other image comic done by the team who made youth. So, Kurt Perez, Alex Diotto, and D. Cunniff. Um, That's the image comic that they also did and uh, then yeah uh, yeah and then also on the first is isola uh, volume number two and i bring that up one because it's great and also because i mentioned editia bidika uh, earlier for um wind who also did the lettering for this comic you need to check out isola guys because the lettering in isola everything is about gorgeous. Isla is gorgeous yeah uh, yeah yeah it's just, it's just like you, you, I mean, like it's, it has like a really gorgeous story as well, but you don't even have to take in the story. You just have yeah. to stare at it. 
because it's, it's just one such of those a beautiful book. Of, like if you can't, if you're not in a headspace to read, it's just worth flick it. You could just absorb it without like reading it. And I, I love yeah. those kind of comics. You can just you can just kind of like open it and just yeah, just let in. it engulf yeah, you true. kind of thing <laughs> yeah it's great um that's it for this episode that is ace comicals episode number 90 you can find us in all the usual haunts uh you can find us on apple podcast Castbox, castro overcast pocketcast spotify stitcher tune in um you can find us on Twitter under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Facebook at Ace Comicals. You can find me on Twitter uh, at Bato. That's B-A-T-T-O-U. You can at us, DM us, get involved in the conversation. Uh, do you want to talk Animal Crossing, turnip sales, <laughs> that kind of stuff? Get yeah. in touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're cool and you like Animal Crossing, then, you know, that's fine. If you're a nice person, I don't think that's a really good diagram. Cool, um, Animal Crossing, but yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I don't play. Come anymore, on, man. So I know where I. Live. Yeah, well, you you just ain't down with KK Slide. Slide is yeah. the best thing about Animal Crossing. <laughs> so yeah, um, we uh, we have T-shirts available. We have a merch shop. Um, which is acecomicals.threadless.com. Uh, you can donate to us, which is our Kofi site. So if you are that way inclined and uh, you enjoy our conversations, you can donate to keep the podcast afloat. All contributions will be used to defray the cost of hosting the website. And yeah, that's that's it. That's Ace Comicals episode 90. Ray, where can we find you? On Twitter, Amonka, that's M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter also, at Leon Everett. And I just want to say happy Pride Month to everybody. Hope the rest of the month is great. And also, Black Trans Lives Matter. Yeah, Ace Comicals 90, over and out.